BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. The State of the Union this week. Yep, this, we know what that is. The State of the Union is a mess, along with Donald Trump's in the White House. What do you say, folks? Great to see you today on a Monday, a big Monday, January 29, 2018. Welcome to the Bill Press Show, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day. Donald Trump is back from uh, Davos, getting ready for the State of the Union uh, tomorrow night here in Washington, where he probably will repeat the same speech that he gave uh, at Davos. You don't think he could learn a new speech over the weekend, do you? Uh, as long as they keep him to the teleprompter, he may be able to uh, struggle through it. Yes, and a Congress torn, uh, Republicans versus Republicans and Democrats mainly on board on what to do about protecting Robert Mueller from being fired by the commander-in-chief who tried to fire him, we know, last June and was thwarted when the White House counsel, Don McGahn, threatened to resign if Trump went ahead with that. Uh, so all of those big stories We've got and a lot more with our today's lineup of guests. And remember, you're the most important guests of all. We love hearing from you on Twitter. So get ready to fire off your comments on all the news of the day. Just go to Twitter and send us your comments at BP Show, at BP Show. And we'll jump right into uh, the next two hours, all the news of the day and your comments and our guests. But first... This is yes. the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Well, as you just mentioned, State yes. of the Union is this week. Tomorrow night, we will get the State of the Union. And over the weekend, we found out who will give the Democratic response. It will be Congressman Joseph Kennedy III. Everything that is old is new again. Uh, a, there you go. Kennedy right. will be giving the rebuttal. Now, uh, Joseph Kennedy is 37 years old. Um, so at least there's some youth there to it, some new blood there for the Democratic Party. But he is going to give the response to the State of the Union uh, at uh, Diamond Regional Vocational Technical High School. So uh, yeah, I don't know who be a jobs theme there. As as long as I've been covering Washington uh, and living here, I I don't know who decides who gives the Democratic response. That's a good point. I don't either. I really I mean, have no idea. I don't know how they choose. Yeah. But, you know, there there is sort of the uh, 
response curse. Yeah, that's a real thing. It's not necessarily a job you want to take. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> they remember? might have offered it to a lot of people, and then uh, Marco Rubio didn't do too well for him. <laughs> Bobby right. Jindal. That's right. Uh, Christine Whitman. Who? Christine Whitman, <laughs> yeah. when she was governor of New Jersey, there have been a lot of people that had that big opportunity, and it was. Uh, their 15 minutes lasted about two minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I know you're not a Fitbit guy. Do you have any of these apps or any of these things that count your steps for you? Yeah, you I mean, it comes with You have with the pedometer thing that comes it, on your phone. It comes with the iPhone, that's yeah. all. That's well, there all. are other apps that sort of track, like I have one called Strava. It's a bike, uh, you, put, you carry it with you when you're on your bike, and it maps out your whole bike ride, right? Well, here's the thing. It turns out that Strava specifically has a real problem because they release, they, you're allowed to upload maps of what your workouts are. So if you go, you know, a 15-mile yeah, right. bike ride, it shows you the exact route that you took. The problem, of course, is that this is something that a lot of active-duty military members use. And when you do that, you are giving away maps of bases that they should not be putting out online. They put out military bases and spy yeah, outposts yeah. around the world have been revealed by Strava. They said that they are going to have to figure out how to make sort of an incognito mode that you can work out without giving away your location if that is something that you desire. Uh, there's got to be an app for that, too. There's got to be an app for that, too. So they said that they're going to update their security process and it's going to change, but... It's I forget the there. name of it. I forget the name of it. I was with, with some friends at a uh, Alpha restaurant the other night, and he had an app on his phone. He was taking a picture of the bottle of wine that they served, and that tells you everything about that bottle of wine, including what you would pay in a store as opposed to what you pay in the restaurant. Smart. Uh, you don't want to know that. Live video, Phil's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hey, we don't need Donald Trump to tell us what the State of the Union is. We know the State of the Union is a mess as long as Donald Trump's in the White House. What do you say? Hello, everybody. On a Monday, Monday, January 29, uh, great to see you today. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Bill Press Show, booming out to you live coast to coast all across this great land of ours from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day, all the gossip of the day, all the good news, real news, and fake news of the day. We bring it all to you from our studio on Capitol Hill. Of course, Donald Trump would say it is all fake news. That is all the news that just doesn't praise him to the skies. So good to see you today. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, and uh, just, you know, getting ready for the uh, Super Bowl. Maybe you watched the Grammys last night. Uh, and uh, ready to catch up now on the real news of the day, which we will bring you online, of course, on YouTube. If you're joining us on YouTube, don't forget to sign up. You can become a regular uh, member of the uh, Bill Press team at youtube.com slash Show. Uh, we're joining you on uh, the radio on the great WCPT out in the Chicago area, the greater Chicago area, and throughout the state of Indianapolis on Indianapolis Talks. And, of course, coast to coast, uh, looking at you on Free Speech TV. Hello, hello, hello with our guest today. Randy Barrett is uh, a writer at Tarbell.org who will be in to tell us all about a guy that sort of snuck through 
uh, the confirmation process. The new HHS secretary replacing uh, Tom Price, who had to resign in disgrace, former member of Congress. Uh, but this Alex Azar uh, is uh, not a good guy, um, a drug, uh, a big, big pharma representative now in charge of HHS. We'll learn all about that from Randy Barrett. Joel Payne, Democratic strategist, will be in as well. And then uh, he covers the Hill for HuffPost. Matt Fuller uh, joining us a little bit later to give us a preview of the State of the Union and how we weathered one uh, government shutdown and whether we are heading for uh, another one. Uh, But speaking about the weekend, I don't know about you. um, We spent the weekend, uh, part of the weekend, uh, trying to catch up on the Oscar nominations there are nine uh, movies nominated. We have now, Carol and I have now seen seven of them. Um, after the two that we saw this weekend, I never want to go to the movies again in my life. What did you see? They were that bad. No, what did you see? They were that bad. I can't believe they were nominated. Oh, boy. Shape of Water. No, Bill, don't say that. Shape of Water. You don't mean that. I do. Uh, oh, I, well, first I of all, I predicted it. that you would hate this movie. I hate, you did. Yeah, you it did. was. it's a wonderful movie. I knew you would hate it. I was so. We were so embarrassed. We it, it, went with a couple of friends. They wanted to see something else. We said, no, we got to see this. Oh, oh, God. They were saying, what did you do? What oh, are you thinking? Oh, that you know, bums me you know, I don't mind... Um, Fanciful stories or myth, myths or, you know, kind of, uh, but fairy tales. But this, 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 this was just so unbelievable. It was just, this is, and not well done. I thought, I, I really hard yeah. disagree. I, I did, could not disagree with you more. Oh no, no. And then, song Get Out, which I was looking forward to because I'd heard good things about Get Out. I hated it. Oh, Bill, come on. No, come on. Well, that's, there's nothing real about that story either. I mean, come on. The idea of guess who came to dinner, that's a great story. That's still a story for today. But, you know, with all this, I don't want to give this storyline away, but all that happens in that house, I mean, no, no, no. God, don't. Anyhow. So. I think sometimes you can suspend belief <laughs> to enjoy movies. I don't know if, if it's done well. If it's I, man, oh man. Okay, all right. So I just want to say, I just when I was over, I said, "That's it. I'm never You're going done. to do movies <laughs> no again." No more movies. Thank God there was Lady Bird. You know, Lady Bird, uplifting. I good, also like that movie. Funny. Uh, by the way, The Darkest Hour I thought was very good, and Dunkirk. So um, they're not uplifting, but they're well, Darkest Hour is. But anyhow, uh, I thought they were they were wonderful movies. The Post was. Good, not great, but boy, those two. I'm telling you, mm, Peter. Man, I'm well, you so did warn me. You did. Warn I said me. you might not like it. Yeah. So I just want to know, folks, if you haven't seen them all, just scratch "Get Out" and "Shape of Water" off your list. Your if mind. if one of those two be, do you think there's any chance one of them could be the number one? The the, the best picture? Yeah, I do. No, I, I think I think no. that. Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro will probably win Best Director for Shape of Water. Because, it's I mean, whether or not you like the story or not, I mean, it's a beautiful movie, the way it was done and the vision of all that. I I, 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 I think he absolutely deserves it. Best Picture, uh, I don't know. It might win. I don't know. I wouldn't be upset if it did. I'll put it that way. Uh, if it does, it's the end of Hollywood. <laughs> That's it. All right. Enough said about that. Yeah, let's go on to yeah, the big story. And I know you talked. Uh, by the way, Evan McMorris Santoro does such a great job. Uh, thank you, Evan, for being here on uh, Friday. 
Uh, and I know you talked a little bit about this with Evan because it is just the news had just broken that. And uh, by the way, classic, classic Donald Trump. Okay, so he's heading off to Davos. He's actually in Davos. He's over there. They've got him drilled down and tell him you have to read from the teleprompter for this speech and you have to be on your good behavior. Uh, these people hate you and you hate them, but you got to pretend you're having a good time. And everything was all set for him to have a positive experience in Davos. And then, of course, because he can't shut his big mouth, the news breaks that he tried to fire special counsel Robert Mueller. And that's the story that dominated the news this weekend, and rightfully so. Uh, and we know what happened. It was back in May when Donald Trump can feel things closing in, and James Comey is looking into all the lies that were told about no meetings, no contact between anybody having anything to do with Russia and anybody having anything to do with the Trump campaign or the Trump transition. And then the Washington Post reports that Michael Flynn was talking about sanctions on the phone. Michael Flynn is in these meetings with the Russians. So is Donnie Jr. So is Jeff Sessions. And James Comey gets into high gear looking at this collusion. And Donald Trump asks him to, hey, please back off Michael Flynn. You know, he's my buddy. Back off Michael Flynn. Will you do that for me? And Comey said no. And so in May, Donald Trump fires James Comey. Uh, and right away, the, the investigation can't just and it's underway. Somebody's got to head it up. Jeff Sessions is out of the picture because he recused himself. And in what Steve Bannon called one of the worst political mistakes in this century, uh, he might have said even beyond that, ever in the history of the United States, uh, uh, Donald Trump fired James Comey. Uh, and then the result was, again, the investigation has to continue. Jeff Sessions is out of the way. So Deputy Attorney General uh, Rod Rosenstein appoints Special Counsel Robert Mueller to pick up the investigation, which has now become a criminal investigation looking not only into possible collusion with the Russians, but because he fired Comey, possible obstruction of justice. So... What does Donald Trump do about that? Now we know. A month later, one month into his term of office, Robert Mueller turns around and tries to fire Robert Mueller. In fact, he gives the orders. Fire that SOB. And no doubt about it, we know it. I mean, it was rumored that he would want to fire him. Would he fire him? Would he dare fire him? Actually, he tried. I mean, he did, but it didn't work. He tried. He said, no, fire that SOB. And the White House counsel, Don McGahn, says, you cannot do that. This is really, that is really obstruction of justice. And if you do, I, the White House counsel, will resign. And in a rare show of uh, ex accepting reality, Donald Trump backed down. That, that was the most. That's the most. Tell that was the hardest thing. for me to believe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I know that everybody's yelling fake news about everything all the no. time. But yeah. the fact that Donald Trump relented on something. That I don't believe. But, you know, it's interesting because in the Fire and Fury book and around a lot of the, the press around it, you know, there were a lot of different stories that came out of that book, obviously. But one of them that I think kind of got buried until now is how much Donald Trump was consumed by Robert Mueller. And, they, and he writes about it in the book. It yeah. just says, like, anybody who will listen, Donald Trump will just say, 
we got to get rid of Mullet. Yeah. We got to yeah. fire Robert totally. Mullet. And, uh, and the fact that this happened in May of last year, like this has been seven yeah. or eight months yeah. that yeah. he's been obsessed with it. Yeah. May, he fired Comey. June, he fired, gave the orders to fire Robert Mullet. Again, just one month in. But he did. He backed down, didn't do it. Now we find out that not only <laughs> did he threaten to fire Robert Mueller, he also threatened to fire Rod Rosenstein, who who is the only guy who could fire Mueller. He wanted to fire him first because he's the guy that put Mueller in place, and he hasn't done either one yet. Now, so that raises the question about, whoa, will, will he still do so? What would happen if he did so, if he fired Robert Mueller? And members of Congress asking, should we maybe give Robert Mueller some protection? Well, actually, uh, there are, I think, two bills in the Senate already introduced uh, with several senators uh, lined up uh, in support of them, which would, which would basically put a cordon sanitaire, if you will, around Robert Mueller and say, no, this guy has to complete. You cannot fire him until his investigation is complete. We're going to stand by the rule of law and we're going to let this investigation go forward. Uh, those bills were introduced uh, months ago. They haven't gone anywhere. But now the big question and the big debate on Capitol Hill is, uh, should we do this now or not? And it's there. It's divided in the Senate. We've got Lindsey Graham and Susan Collins, both Republicans, who have said, we need to pass these bills now. In the House, Trey Gowdy, Republican from South Carolina, whom I don't have a lot of love for or respect for, uh, has said, I have full confidence in Robert Mueller. We ought to let him do his job and, and, and protect him. Uh, on the other hand, there are uh, other members of Congress, um, namely in the House, Daryl Issa, remember him? Yeah. Uh, thrown out as the Oversight Committee chairman because he was doing such a lousy job. And he's not going to have a job for much longer. He won't have a job for much longer. And uh, Kevin McCarthy, the number two Republican in the House, both of whom say, hey, we don't need to do anything because Robert Mueller, I mean, uh, Donald Trump hasn't fired Robert Mueller. He's still on the job. And so Yet. we don't have to do anything until it happens, which is insane. You know, that's like, <laughs> when do you buy fire insurance? You don't buy fire insurance to protect your house. <laughs> Until your house catches on fire. No, that's too late, baby. It's already done. Your house is gone. You have to buy your fire insurance early to protect your house. They're going to do this. They ought to pass this legislation. Now, Lindsey Graham on um, this week yesterday, uh, I believe it was this week, said this is serious stuff and Robert Mueller had better take a good look at this. I don't know. I believe it's something that Mueller should look at. We're not going to just say it's fake news and move on. Mueller's the best person to look at it. And if this happened, if Donald Trump did this, uh, Senator Graham, what would be the impact? I'm sure that there'll be an investigation around whether or not President Trump did try to fire Mr. Mueller. We know that he didn't fire Mr. Mueller. We know that if he tried to, it'd be the end of his presidency. The end of his presidency, because he said that would definitely be obstruction of justice. That would definitely be an impeachable offense. By the way, a lot of people sort of said that this was Lindsey Graham's way of sending Donald Trump a message, which I think is there's probably some truth to that. I think that Donald mm -hmm. Trump would listen to that more than than just, you know, some advice in the office. But like if Republicans are serious about it, that could be a big deal. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, so here we are on Monday, uh, Senator Mark Warner saying yesterday, uh, let's hope on Monday it won't just be the two predictables, if you will, uh, Lindsey Graham and Susan Collins. Where's the rest of them? I hope come Monday that other Republican senators, and for that matter, matters of the House, will step up in support of rule of law and allow Mr. Mueller to finish his job. Right. Now, of course, nobody would just say that this uh, New York Times story, uh, which again broke as the president is arriving in Davos, uh, nobody would say it's just fake news. Uh, well, except uh, Donald Trump. Fake news, folks. Fake news. Typical New York Times fake stories. Uh, yeah, fake news. Fake news. That's all. Fake news. Fake news. Uh, I'd like to think that he'll come up with a better defense for his terrible actions other than just calling everything fake news. Yeah, But I don't think he's going to. But it's gotten to the point where he says fake news about everything. everything. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Uh, <laughs> the funniest of all, I mean, is somebody whose head is so far up Donald Trump's butt, you know, that is just embarrassing. And of course, I'm talking about Sean Hannity. That's a big head to have up Donald yeah. Trump's butt. Sean Hannity, who is dared attack me, too. But anyway, anyway, not so long ago, uh, Sean Hannity, who, (laughs) so he's caught, I think this is Thursday, yeah, Thursday night, right? He's caught when the New York Times breaks the story. And so he just says, this is total BS. There's nothing to it. I've checked into it. So don't believe it. Now, tonight, for example, they're trying to change the story. At this hour, the New York Times is trying to distract you. They have a story that Trump wanted Mueller fired sometime last June, and our sources, and I've checked in with many of them, they're not confirming that tonight. And the president's attorney dismissed the story and says, no, no comment, we're not going there. And how many times has the New York Times and others gotten it wrong? All right, so that's Sean Hannity. It's a We're point. not going there. It's I've checked all of our sources. Yeah. This is the truth. There ain't nothing to it. So they take, this is so embarrassing, They, but delicious. They take a commercial break, okay? He comes, during the commercial break, obviously, Ed Henry, among others, called him and said, you are freaking crazy. This story is for real, dude. I mean, you have to listen again, like, to his, yeah. to what he's saying. He says he talked to multiple sources. Right. Multiple sources, right? And they all say it's not true. Right. But then it took five minutes. Yeah. Okay, so he goes into the commercial break. He comes out. He has to admit he's wrong, but notice how carefully he changes the subject. All right, so we have sources tonight just confirming to Ed Henry that, yeah, maybe (laughs) Donald Trump wanted to fire the special counsel for conflict. Does he not have the right to raise those questions? You know, we'll deal with this tomorrow night. (laughs) Shocking video of the day to bring you, by the way. This footage comes to us from Arizona, where you see that red SUV, high-speed police chase, ultimately the suspect. He he goes to a car chase. (laughs) Oh, yeah, by the way, I was dead wrong when I told you uh, just before the commercial break, but uh, did you see this, hear about this car chase out in Arizona? Look over here, folks. (laughs) Nothing to see over this way. He, oh, it took him man. 12 seconds yeah. is what he spent yeah. on saying, oops, I goofed. And then he went to a car chase. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you got to love it. So watch today. We'll see how many more voices come out in support of uh, legislation to um, put this little cocoon around uh, uh, Robert Mueller and say, you know, let, let's just let him let him do his job. 
and then uh, we'll see we'll see what comes up. We also found out, by the way, over the weekend that so far, in terms of uh, this is why you hear Donald Trump going out of his way to undermine the work of Robert Mueller. And in fact, um, we'll probably talk about this tomorrow. Uh, later today, Devin Nunez, there's another Republican who has zero credibility, has written this memo that he said proves that two FBI agents were behind all of this and they were Hillary plants and Hillary people. And, secret society. And, and they, they formed a secret society. And they, they may release that, that memo tomorrow. If they do, we'll get into it. Certainly tomorrow's not worth talking about now. But at any rate, the, the reason why Donald Trump and Republicans are doing everything they can to undermine and destroy the credibility of Robert Mueller and perhaps even shut him down uh, is, represented, is illustrated by the fact that uh, we learned uh, Robert Mueller so far has interviewed over 20 top White House aides. Now, we know some of them, but obviously, current or former White House aides, obviously, we don't know all of them. But uh, uh, Robert Mueller, as we've said before, is the only man in Washington, D.C., who can keep a secret. Uh, and he's been keeping a secret uh, about a lot of the people that he has uh, talked to. Uh, there is a little bit of other new, I guess, related news. Uh, see the Grammys last night? One of the funny skits of the Grammys last night was... Uh, uh, they wanted to do auditions for who would, you mentioned Peter Fire and Fury, the book, the Michael yeah. Wolf book, uh, who would get the job of reading, recording uh, Fire and Fury among those people who did a little cameo audition, Hillary Clinton. He had a longtime fear of being poisoned. One reason why he liked to eat at McDonald's. Nobody knew he was coming. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, the crowd is cheering so much for Hillary, it's hard, hard to hear her reading. But she's reading the part from the book where uh, Donald Trump, you hear, he said, uh, uh, and this is about the White House, he has a, this, he's afraid somebody's going to poison him. And that's one of the reasons he likes to eat at McDonald's, because all their food is pre-prepared, and nobody knows who it's going to. And so he can just walk in, or somebody can walk in for him and get the stuff and get out. And he doesn't have to worry about being poisoned at McDonald's. We, we make a lot of fun of Donald Trump, but if you're a germaphobe, right, like this is genius. Yes, <laughs> right. Yes, right? exactly. Like they don't know who the food's going to. Very it, stable genius. Yeah, very yeah. stable genius. Right. You know, you know the McDonald's there down uh, right around the corner from the White House? Yeah. They don't poison like every other burger because they think it's going to the exactly. White House. Right? No, exactly. You can't. you can't. No, you can't do that. Right. Uh, the other part of somebody read of the uh, McDonald's of, of the Michael Wolf book, which I found very funny, is uh, I I had known this from my sources at the White House that he and Melania have separate bedrooms, and he wasn't satisfied that they only had one big screen TV in his bedroom. He ordered a second one put up, and then he wasn't satisfied because there are three cable networks and he only had two big screens. So he ordered a third one, which is on rollers, that he puts at the end of his bed. So he's got three. He's in bed. I got this. And he's got watching three big screen TVs and, of course, tweeting. And he's very, very um, – talk about, like, again, getting poisoned. He has given rules. Nobody's allowed – the cleaning staff there, nobody's allowed to touch his toothbrush because he's afraid that they will poison him using for this toothbrush. Uh, and nobody's allowed to do anything in the bedroom unless he 
tells him specifically what to do. He threw an you-know-what fit because somebody picked up a shirt that he had thrown on the floor. And he said, if that shirt's on the floor, that's because I want it on the floor. Don't pick up anything on the floor in my bedroom unless I tell you to. And don't change the sheets on my bed unless I tell you I want the sheets changed. So please. <laughs> this guy is really weird. <laughs> Man. Uh, by the way, nobody's disputed anything that's in the uh, <clears throat> in the Donald Trump. While we're on the Trump thing, I just... Uh, I know uh, not all of you are watching on television, but those of you are. And those of you who aren't can go online to the New York Times today. I just want to point out there are two full pages in the New York Times page, A14, A15. I'll hold them up. These are, this is a list alphabetically of everybody that Donald Trump has insulted using by tweet since he's become president. Not, That's stunning, man. No, not as a candidate. Right, they they did. I guess they did one before when he was a. Well, that's candidate. a whole edition of the paper. Yeah. If you're going to do everybody. Right, exactly. <laughs> They're keeping track of this stuff. They've also done full pages of the lies that he's told. They do that like every uh, six months or so. But I Man. saw that this morning, and you you know they're all there, right? Diane Feinstein, uh, Jeff Flake, little Kirsten, Bob Corker, Kirsten Gillibrand, Bob Corker, Roger Goodell, Lindsey Graham, Dick Durbin. Mika Brzezinski, I'm just looking. Is the Jay Z one? Is the Jay Z one on there? Because he, he threw some heat at uh, Jay Z over the weekend. That that, that may not have made it, so uh, it didn't make it yet. Yeah, well, that'll be in the next edition. Doug Jones, <laughs> that's right. Right, you remember that? Uh, Senator Doug Jones. Yes, uh, the new Air Force uh, One. Oh, oh, by the way, that's the other story. Oh you read about God. the Air Force One? Yeah, so yeah. it needs upgraded, right? Air Force One. So they're planning on replacing. You talk about. Spending that's out of control. Um, two of the refrigerators on Air Force One need to be upgraded. Okay, refrigerators. Oh, refrigerators. Upgrading two refrigerators will cost twenty-three million six hundred and fifty-seven thousand six hundred and seventy-one dollars. Twenty-four million dollars, in other words, for. Two refrigerators on Air Force One so that they can serve up to 100 meals at any time uh, on the plane. I mean, that's out of... And by the way, they won't be ready until the end of 2019. <laughs> you know what? So Donald Trump, who complained about the cost of a new 747 Air Force One, I wonder what he's going to say about spending 24 million dollars for two refrigerators i'll bet you you could go to best buy and get them cheaper <laughs> or costco sure huh sure i mean it might only cost you know 21 million dollars <laughs> you save a little money i'll bet you could get it you could get them for a thousand dollars each at sure, costco. Of god this is crazy all right yes we have a new hhs secretary uh who could have slipped in under the radar and um, nobody knows anything about him, about him until now. And you will learn everything you need to know about him from uh, Randall Barrett with uh, Tarbell.org. Coming up next on the Bill Press Show, just getting going here on this Monday, January 29. Uh, don't forget your comments at BP Show. Quick break. Right back. This is the Bill Press Show. 
Hey, you got it. Here we are, Monday, uh, January 29, the Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., reaching out to you coast to coast, uh, online, on the radio, and on uh, television, where we're brought to you today by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. Yes, those hardworking men and women of the UFCW under President Mark Perrone. A proud union family that feeds, serves, and provides for all of Americans' hardworking families. We salute them for their good work. Thank them for the support of the program. Direct you to their website, which is ufcw.org. Uh, um, first half hour, talking uh, mainly about Donald Trump's uh, move to fire Robert Mueller, which was thwarted by the threatened resignation of White House counsel Don McGahn. Uh, Peter, comments? Yes, sir. We are on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show, on Trump's germophobia. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had one person <laughs> weigh in on Twitter who says, really? Now we have got to talk about Donald Trump's toothbrush? Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Don't touch Don't touch my toothbrush. <laughs> also on uh, the Hillary Clinton reading for Fire and Fury, if Hillary tries to run for president again, the Democratic Party will be destroyed, but Nancy and Chuck will be happy. Uh, yikes. Also, uh, lots of comments on the Oscars, Bill. You talked oh, about some movies uh-oh. you didn't care yeah. for. Uh, Romaine says, so Guillermo del Toro films are beautifully made, but I don't run out to see them. However, Get Out was excellent. The twist was totally not what I expected. Come on, Bill. Just go to the movies. <laughs> Uh, another person, Blame Girl, Wait, says, he, I knew he, Bill he, wouldn't like Get Out. Oh, uh, And also Stuart says, Get Out was great. <laughs> oh, the God. post was also great. Oh. And, geez, Bill, Shape of Water was amazing. Oh, However, one God. more comment. Phil says, I thought Shape of Water was okay, but not best picture material. So you have some critics and some defenders out there. At All BP right. Show, at okay. BP Show on Twitter. All right. I'm not only going to stay away from the movies, I'm going to stay away from talking about the there movies. You go. There <laughs> you go. Yeah, We're right. going to make them all happy. Learn my lesson. Right. We'll get Ann Hornaday in to do the dirty work, right? Uh, from a Washington Post film critic. Nobody better. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we have a new HHSS secretary. News to you. It was kind of news to me. I knew he'd been nominated, but boy, I turn around, and the Senate confirmed him, 55 to 43. His name is Alex Azar. Uh, Randy Barrett is a writer with the uh, kind of, um, what should we call it, investigative reporting, new investigative reporting, a site called tarbell.org. Hi, Randy. It's good to see you. Thanks Hi, for, happy to be here. Thanks for coming in. Um, sure. Alex Azar, he's from the Eastern Shore, right? From Salisbury, Maryland. Yeah, he's, he's a local from a D.C. standpoint. That's all I know about him. That's all you know about him. Yeah. Well, uh, How did he, he get is, this job? Where did he come from? And what's yeah, the story? He, he is a lawyer by training. Uh, he uh, spent, um, uh, during the, the George W. Bush uh, administration, he worked at HHS as an undersecretary. Uh, he has a, um, really more recently than that, he has been working in the drug industry. And that is probably the most controversial thing about him, is that he is the first HHS secretary to come from the drug industry. So he's a big pharma guy, is he? He is a big pharma guy. He was president of the uh, Eli Lilly Corporation's U.S. division right, up until recently. Right. Doesn't this follow the pattern of Donald Trump, of picking people who are sort of the uh, antagonist uh, to the agency to now lead the agency. Well, and well, in some respects, you can say that uh, the main concern about him from from uh, 
critics is that he is too close to the industry and it gives the industry a, a, a very powerful advocate in the nation's most powerful health care policy position. And uh, so uh, we're hearing a lot from groups like Public Citizen who have complained that under Azar's tenure uh, at uh, Lilly, he raised the price, of example, of insulin three times uh, and there were many other drugs. Uh, of course, the, the drug price problem has been getting worse and worse. And under his tenure at Lilly, it continued to get worse at Lilly as it has at other uh, major corp- you know, uh, pharmaceutical corporations. But did any of these issues come out at his confirmation hearing? Well, they all did. Uh, he's very uh, smooth. Um, he's, he's a very capable guy from everybody's description of him. He, he certainly knows what he's doing. Um, in one respect, you can say he's a perfect candidate for the job. Uh, but if you look at the side, uh, the other side, that where they say, look, this is a guy that was in the drug industry. He did nothing about drug prices. In fact, they went up during his, uh, his tenure. Uh, it was brought up several times at the hearing, and he basically said, yeah, drug prices are too high. I want to work on that. That's basically what he said. Which was a political, yeah, a right. nice political answer. Right. right. It's a very good political answer. Um, he is not, uh, several well, options were offered for him. How about to let the government negotiate Medicare Part D, he said, no, we really shouldn't be doing that, which is classic pharma. Right. So the pharma really doesn't want the government negotiating uh, drug prices at all. Well, this whole this whole issue of, of prescription drug prices, uh, we've been over it so many times. I mean, that you can get the same drugs at half the price or less in Canada or in Europe or in Mexico. And uh, right. n- number one, we cannot import legally from those countries, correct? Correct. Still. Still, that is and the, the other is that the United States government, Medicare, Social Security, or I guess Medicare, Medicaid, are the largest purchaser of prescription drugs, and yet we cannot negotiate lower prices. That was written into the 2003 uh, Medicare law that we couldn't do that. And uh, so that's there's a lot of people that really believe the United States should of be course, able to do that. Of course. So that's uh, something the drug industry, of course, does not want. Uh, really, the drug industry has been very, very uh, uh, capable uh, at really slanting the playing field. Uh, so they've blocked foreign importation. They've blocked the government's ability to uh, negotiate on Medicare drugs. Uh, now, incidentally, the VA can negotiate and does get good pricing, but it's Medicare that they that the that the uh, and that's the big enchilada that the drug industry does not want the U.S. government to have negotiating power. So the veterans, I didn't realize that. The Veterans Administration can. They can. And obviously. And the military does as well. And the military. Mm-hmm. And it's working for them, right? It works for them and saves them, uh, I think, on average 25%. So it's, yeah, it's it's something that already happens. But the drug and, industry was very careful that it did not want it to happen in the Medicare And space. the pharmaceutical industry is surviving Despite having to pay this 25 percent discount, exactly, it's still surviving, doing just fine. Um, I mean, it's insane. I'm, I'm, uh, I have a new book coming out, and I'm talking right now with bookstores and publishers. And you know, if you buy more than one book, right, right, you get up to like 20 books or 25 books, they give you a break, right? Right. It's just, it's almost like anything, right? So, in in the drug industry, so it's they, they very carefully, historically, and not just recently, but made it very, very. Uh, carefully uh, pushed to to close the U.S. market and to make sure they have basically monopoly power over it. So this is, uh, to, uh, to me, really, and that's why I, I was happy you were able to come in and tell us about it, 
This is a this is a classic case of the fox in charge of the hen house. Well, the critics would say that, and I think with with pretty good reason. Uh, Azar is a is a company man and has been for many years. And they also point out that Scott Gottlieb, uh, the head of the FDA, is also a company man. He's a he has a long standing ties to the drug industry. So you've got the two highest uh, uh, healthcare positions being held by uh, former. Uh, pharmaceutical industry people. Right. Well, you think you know. about the, again, you think about the agencies. Okay, well, businesses should have some representation too in corporations. Well, you got the Commerce Department, right? right. I mean, that's their job, mm-hmm. uh, as I see it. HHS, Health and Human Services, is supposed to be out there fighting for the consumers, fighting for people who need health care. I mean, this is the way Kathleen Sebelius right. was in charge of the Affordable Care Act implementation. It all came through HHS. Right. So what does Azar say about um, the Affordable Care Act and Obamacare? Well, he's very much against it. Um, of course. So he's a good conservative. He's <laughs> he a good would, conservative. Um, he wouldn't get the job right. if he And, and he's not. also for Medicaid block grants, which would give money directly to the states. Which would um, end Medicaid. Which people say would end, end this program as we know it. So he's very much on the script uh, of, the, of the conservative Republicans in that respect. How did he get the job? I mean, how did he get a 55 to 43 vote um, in the Senate? My feeling about it is if you look at his qualifications, he, he is qualified for the job. I mean, he's qualified he, to run an operation right. because he ran a drug company. Right, and right. he also worked at the at HHS as an undersecretary for, I think, five or six years. So he, he's, he's a guy that if you look at him on paper, you, I mean, this is a right. guy that can do the job. And I think that's probably what did it. Uh, but not his position on the issues. N- not Definitely for critics, his, his position on the issues is, is a real problem. Well, yeah. So what's interesting to me, what's kind of contradictory about that is, were, were he, for example, nominated for the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. right? Right. Okay. They would say he's been a judge. Let's say he's been a came from the federal bench. People would say, okay, he's qualified for this job. Yeah, he's been a judge. Right. He's heard cases. He's decided cases. He's written briefs, right? But they wouldn't be talking about that. They'd be focusing on where he stood right. on the important issues that might come before the court. Right. And, and So he, this right. guy, mm-hmm. yeah, he's qualified, meaning you know right. he, he can walk, he can talk, he can sit at a desk, he can make phone calls. He can make decisions, but he's going to make bad decisions, and they're, in my judgment, mm-hmm. and they're not looking at the key issues like what's going to happen to Medicaid, what's going to happen to Obamacare, what's going mm-hmm. to happen to the price of drugs, and holding him responsible for his position. And he brings that big business anti-consumer right. Um, right. theology, if you will, or philosophy or attitude, policy about drugs mm-hmm. to the job. Well, he does, and if you're talking about draining the swamp, this certainly isn't a move to do that. Uh, and as I think we've seen with many other uh, Trump uh, you know, uh, appointees, these are people who are industry people. These are, these are Washington animals, ultimately. Right. Um, and uh, so there's no change here. What's happening now really is, and it's something we watch very closely at Tarbell, is the, is the continued corporatization of our government and our democracy. And that's what we do at Tarbell is we really are looking into you know, how those special interests apply their power and to what outcome. Uh, and it's something that's, that's happen- has happened for years and is simply in overdrive with the Trump administration. Right. We've seen that in other cases, too, right. uh, where um, most recently uh, the leader, the, 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 the head of the largest coal company, Murphy Coal, I think, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, 
uh, who wrote basically wrote the administra- the administration's mm-hmm. energy policy right. and gave them a whole list of things you got to do to help the coal industry and right. uh, that's what Trump has done. Follow, sure. follow the line again. Right. Corporatization, if you call it that, it's, it really is a corporatization of the process. And again, this is something that's been going on for years in Washington. It's not new, but it's certainly gotten worse under Trump. And uh, it's something that I think is is a country we need to be concerned about, deeply concerned about. You might call it the Goldman Sachs's Sachsization <laughs> or something. I think so. And uh, you look at his cabinet, and it's just it, the the cor- the influence of corporations is now. At the highest point, I believe it's been probably at any point in, in, in American history, and far and away. Um, it's just it maybe going back to some of the big, the railroad big monopolies, perhaps back to then when they had that kind of power. Um, it's really we're we're heading in that direction. And um, you see that also in the uh, tax bill sure. uh, that the that the president signed. Yeah, we're we're doing a piece <laughs> looking at the winners of the tax bill, and you see the the hedge funds and the energy companies, and the, of course the developers, right? real estate developers, and, of course, uh, big business that got the big tax break. So you you see all – you know, the fact is our campaign system is, of course, built around money. It's built around institutionalized bribery, which is the campaign finance system. And lo and behold, look what comes out the other end, which is a tax bill that's very, very friendly to corporations and business interests. Uh, Yeah, extremely friendly on the surface and also permanent, right? Right, sure. Uh, unlike mm-hmm. any tax, right. m- any minuscule tax break that the average American worker might have gotten, right, which will disappear in a couple of years, right. The corporate tax breaks are there, right, forever, right. And some would argue that's good. That's great for America and will create jobs. It it may. We have to wait and see. But you, again, you look at that corporate influence uh, has been. Uh, they, they, you know, they they bought their congressman and they got what they wanted. When um, back to Azar for just a mm-hmm. second, he's in, right? I mean, it's oh, done. he's in. Yeah, he was confirmed last week. Yeah, yeah. So, has did any Democrats vote to confirm him, or is everybody must still have? Sort of there were, there were, so there were. They a few. got fifty-five yeah. Yeah. votes, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. had to yeah. have a yeah. If you had to have three, I, I'm still kind of baffled at how Democrats will vote for anybody that Donald Trump put out there. I mean, I, I understand that Democrats believe the government should work, and they believe that there should be a head. To uh, uh, of the HHS, right? But at the same time, like I just assume anybody that Donald Trump nominates for any position anywhere is going to be unqualified for the job. Well, <laughs> I think he's qualified. But if you look at it's the Democrats are in some of the states that have very strong uh, pharma uh, money. I mean, these are states that have like New Jersey, for example. I'm not sure how he voted, but these are states that often have <laughs> a lot of pharma influence. So you know, the pharma has friends in the Democratic Party as well. Oh, big time for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah, uh, I'd almost be willing to bet on how Robert Menendez voted. I'd better check. But now, if you look at like any industry, they're very careful about splitting their money between both parties. And whatever party's in power, they give a little more money to, but they're always giving a, a lot of largesse to. Um, whatever off party is not in power, just because they know at some point they're going to be in power and they need to have friends. Right, um, and that's true for any industry, by the way. No, what you're saying, Peter, is you know that um, the their your your point that they there's there's a lot of money thrown around. Yep, no no doubt about it. And some of them, this just didn't get. I'm I'm just amazed it didn't get the attention that I thought it, that I thought it would have because this is an extremely important agency. Particularly with, I mean, we're talking healthcare, right? And we're talking in the middle Medicaid of Medicaid program, Medicare program. In the middle of yeah. Medicare and Medicaid, 
being really threatened, I think, by this first tax bill, right. which added 10 and a half or whatever, $10 trillion to the deficit. Now they're going to come back, everybody knows this year, and say, oh, we're broke. Now we have to do something about Medicare, Medicaid. All of right. those issues right. and the future of Obamacare, uh, the Affordable Care Act, all residing in this agency, and they let this guy slip through without really a, a, a lot of debate. Well, you know, I think in most of America, people have a lot more pressing things to worry about, like putting food on the table. Um, and I think in Washington, these things kind of march through their normal process. I had no, there's no question in my mind, Azar was going to be confirmed the minute they mentioned his name as the nominee. It was just, it was just, it was a done deal. And I think everybody kind of knew that. Uh, so. Uh, they had a few perfunctory hearings. Uh, he dodged. He, we he weaved. He said a few things that Republicans needed to hear, and and that's done. And that's the way it happens for most agency heads. But my my take on that is, even if you know you can't stop them, you mm -hmm. still raise a lot of hell. Yeah, you well, just, you yeah, just, the Democrats you try. You make a big stink, mm -hmm. and you make sure basically you shoot one across his bow and let him know we're going to be watching you. Buddy. They did. They did. And, and there are a number of Not enough. That, not enough. Well, that, that may That's that why may you're be. here. That's why. not enough. <laughs> well, yeah. So it's. I think we're going to have to watch and see what this guy does. And, um, you know, it, he may surprise us and actually take on the drug price issue and start to do some things that he talked about actually dealing with some of the monopoly power that um, no, the, the industry no has. He, no I, way. I, I don't no expect way. it. But he's, no way. We'll see. But he, he could surprise us. I, I would be surprised if I were surprised. So... Um, I think we're going to see more of the same. He, he's not going to turn on. I mean, he's not going to turn on big pharma. I, I just let me reassure you of that. Yep. You, you know, but so now you've got big pharma in charge of uh, HHS. You've got mm -hmm. big coal in, with mm -hmm. Rick Perry. Mm -hmm. I mean, he may not have come out of the coal industry, right. but he mm -hmm. might as well have, right? Right. Uh, in charge at, at energy. Mm -hmm. You've got Exxon in charge of uh, state, mm -hmm. state Department. Mm -hmm. Where else do we see the corporate influence? Well, I mean, it, oh, yeah. Betsy DeVos, uh, right? At education, and EPA has been a, a real pro, you know, problem. EPA, sure. yeah, the the arch enemy of right, EPA, EPA, right? Sure. And yeah. and you got a guy who's all for um, opening up public lands to drilling and mining, mm -hmm. uh, in, in interior, and, right. in, at interior, right? Pardon me, who actually thinks we have too many national parks, or they're too right. big, so we got to get rid of them or cut them in half, right. you know, at interior. Well, I mean, what you're seeing here, and that's no surprise, is, is a classic pendulum swing uh, uh, from a, a more regulated era of the Obama administration to a really f fully corporate, business-friendly environment with Trump. Um, I think the pendulum will swing back the other way. It's just uh, going to take some time. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I don't think it's a pendulum. I think it's a wrecking ball. <laughs> uh, you know, that's we'll see in the next election cycle. What pendulum happens. I could handle, right? You mm -hmm. do see a pendulum, George Bush, Barack mm -hmm. Obama, Bill Clinton, right. boom, 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 right? But it's right. it's it's not destructive, mm -hmm. really. Not well wholesale destruction mm -hmm. like we are seeing with some of the Trump appointees. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Tarbell.org. Yeah, Tarbell is a new publication we just <laughs> launched about two months ago. Uh, it's led by a fellow named Wendell Potter, who is a former... He's uh, been, uh, been in, see us? Yeah, Wendell is a very interesting guy. He is a former PR guy for one of the big uh, insurance companies, health insurance companies, and uh, uh, he had a crisis of, crisis of conscience about 10 years ago and uh, left the industry, really became a whistleblower 
against the healthcare insurance industry. Uh, wrote a book about it. Uh, he's really concerned, as 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 I am, about the the growing influence of special interests in Washington and how it it continues to get uh, larger and larger. So Tarbell, really, the, the the mission of Tarbell is to investigate the special interests, look at what they do, how do they apply their trade, how do they apply their power, uh, what kind of effect does it have uh, on everyday Americans? And the first piece we did looked at the the drug price issue, looked at big pharma. And that's a perfect case in point in an extraordinarily powerful industry that has used every leverage point uh, because it has so much money um, to basically control the U.S. market to the detriment of everyday Americans. And now we're seeing it, obviously, in very, very high drug prices. Uh, No mistake about that. uh, A story this morning in the New York Times or maybe the Post uh, about the Koch brothers Mm -hmm. who uh, just this last weekend had their – one their first semi-annual right. big meeting where they had 500 mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. corporate executives mm-hmm. who come to these meetings. These these corporate executives give 500,000 each of their companies to, to uh-huh. the Koch brothers mm-hmm. uh, mafia, right. uh, political mafia, mm-hmm. uh, which they use to, I mean, isn't this the classic case of corporate money run amok? And you know, I think you could make that argument. The political process, oh, absolutely. And the Koch brothers are a case in point. Um, it's 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 very discouraging. Uh, but I, at Tarbell, we look at it uh, two ways. One is we want to uncover where it's happening. We want to show people how it's happening, why it's happening. We also want to look at solutions. There are a lot of good ideas out there about how to address these problems. How about getting rid of Citizens United? Well. You know, that that's certainly one of the big solutions that would have to happen. But in, given any issue, there are people working on solutions to these problems. That's one of the things Tarbell is really looking at as well, is what are the solutions to these problems? Not just saying, here's a terrible problem, let's all be depressed, but let's let's also look at who's trying to make it better. The reason I mentioned Citizens United, one of the, right. um, I mean, w- w- one of the real ways that they influence the political system is because it's just pouring so much campaign cash exactly. into Right. PACs and into candidates. Yeah, the right? campaign finance system is is, is is severely broken. There's just no question. Right. Uh, remind our uh, viewers and listeners uh, why the name of Tarbell? Ida Tarbell. She was a wonderful uh, writer. She wrote at the turn of the century. She was one of the very first muckrakers, uh, early journalist. And uh, she took on Standard Oil uh, and raised a lot of hell. And uh, it led in part to the breakup of that industry. So she uh, was was one of the early investigative reporters uh, in America. Right. I, I just pointing out when you said at the at the beginning of the century, at the turn of the century. You're right, last century. The last century. <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> no, I, I mean I'm dating myself. <laughs> well you yeah. weren't around then either. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's just yeah, early twentieth century. Early 20th she, century. she took on the big standard oil and really broke them up as yeah. an investigative reporter. She did. She basically got in there and started telling their secrets. I just want to jump in really quickly if I yeah. can, because we All got right. a lot of comments wondering how people senators voted on Alex Azar. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have the vote of who oh, good. who voted for Alex Azar uh, right. that are Democrats. First of all, Rand Paul voted against him because he had a problem with Alex Azar's stance on importing drugs from Canada. But Democrats that voted for Alex Azar, Joe Donnelly of Indiana, Heidi Heitkamp of North Dakota, Doug Jones of Alabama, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, and... Both of Delaware senators Tom Carper and Chris Coons voted for Alex Azar. There's some pharma money in Delaware, if I'm not mistaken. 
Uh, yeah, big time. Um, <laughs> but that's interesting. That means that there are several Republicans. Maybe is Rand Paul the only? It couldn't have been the only Republican vote against. Of course, John McCain wasn't there. Mm. Yeah. Uh, no, that's good. So uh, now we know how. Now we know more about how he slipped in. Uh, well, good for Tarbell dot uh, org. Uh, it's good to have you uh, out there. Thank you. Thank um, you. Doing your doing your good investigative work. Thanks so much for coming in, Randy. All Thank right, you. and again, Tarbell dot so org. Joel Payne, Democratic strategist, joins us next this here on the Bill Press is Show. The Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash Show. Yep, this week Donald Trump's going to tell us what the State of the Union is, in his opinion. Hey, in my opinion, it's a mess. And it's going to be a mess as long as that man's in the White House. Hello, everybody. On a big Monday, Monday, January 29, good to see you today. Thanks so much for being part of the program. As we join you, wherever you are in this great land of ours, right, right there alongside of you, uh, booming out from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day. And, of course, as always, we join you online, we join you on the radio, and we join you on television. You can't escape us, and we don't want you to, uh, because we want to hear from you. Our job is to tell you what's going on. Uh, your job to uh, tell us what you think about it all. Send us your comments on Twitter uh, at BP Show. And we'll be talking about uh, Donald Trump. Let's take, take a look ahead of what we might hear from uh, him and the State of the Union tomorrow night. Um, also, uh, about all the big news over the weekend, uh, Donald Trump, in fact, did try to fire Special Counsel Robert Mueller. It's not just something he's thinking about doing. Not just something he was thinking about, something he tried to do. Uh, and what are the consequences of that and what is Congress going to do about it? Uh, we'll get into that and a whole lot more with our good friend Joel Payne, Democratic strategist, joining us in studio. Joel, it's good to see you. Thanks for having me. Good to see you guys as well. It's been a while. Yes. So, uh, it's nice to, nice to have you back in. Yeah. And again, don't forget, your ticket is go online on Twitter at BP Show. We jump right into it. But first... Peter is the full court press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Well, Elon Musk is not happy being the king of changing the automobile industry with uh, Tesla. He has a new company or had a new company called The Boring Company. We're not sure exactly what it is that he's going to do, but he was selling hats at the end of last year. And so hats? This hats. Uh, just saying The Boring Company, yeah. the name of his company. And he mm -hmm. said, if I end up selling 50,000 of these hats, I don't know what I'll do next. Maybe I'll start selling flamethrowers. Well, at the end of last week, he announced that he was, in fact, selling flamethrowers online for $500, which is 
not as much as I would think that a flamethrower would cost. And apparently, people really, really want these flamethrowers. In 24 hours, the boring company, Elon Musk's company, sold $2 million worth of flamethrowers online. He put up a video on Instagram says was showing him using the flamethrower that says, don't do this. Also, I want to be clear that a flamethrower is a super terrible idea. Definitely don't buy one unless you like fun. <laughs> what do you do with a flamethrower? It's you throw flames with it. I mean, you just have it and you just shoot flames like a gun. You start fires with it? Yes. I mean, it's... This is not good. Flamethrowers are... I mean, they are what they are, and he's just selling like a... How would, why would you need one? Oh, I don't, think, I don't think anybody needs a flamethrower. Yeah, listen, we're in D.C. <laughs> don't speak so soon. Yeah, fair. I mean, he's right. Having a flamethrower looks like it'd be a lot of fun. But I'm not sure that it's something that I need, that anybody really needs, and, and, and like there's no practical use for it. No, I mean you know he's doing so much good stuff, like with Tesla and with that SpaceX. Yeah, sure. He's, he's going to he's going to launch the world's most powerful rocket ever soon. Yeah, that's a flamethrower. That's a flamethrower. Yeah, but you can have one in your own home now. Stick to that kind of flamethrower. Hey, he's making money off of it. Two million dollars. I admire him a lot. He's, he's, he's brilliant, but. Mm, uh, I like that idea. Axios has uh, obtained a study or a survey that was done inside the Trump administration. They are actually looking at ways to nationalize mobile wireless networks. This is a big deal. It's not necessarily the phone companies, but, you know, if you're out and you see like a 4G or an LTE network, which is how you get data if you're not yeah, on Wi-Fi, yeah. the Trump administration is looking at ways to nationalize that because... They said that this will protect the country's wireless system from China and other people who want to try and hack us. It's an interesting idea. I'm not sure that the Trump administration is the right one to handle it. Uh, I don't trust him. I don't try. I never trust him. No, I, I don't want them in charge of my iPhone. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, what do you say, folks? Great to see you today. It's Monday, Monday, January 29. I hope you had a great weekend and are ready to dive into the news of the day. Welcome back, or if you're already here, I've been following the show, or welcome to the program if you're just joining us online, on radio, or on television. Online, of course, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On television, on Free Speech TV, nationwide, and out in the greater Chicago area. Joining you on the progressive voice of Chicago, the great WCPT. Welcome, welcome. And again, we love hearing from you and your comments on Twitter, uh, at BP Show. <coughs> a lot of big news today. Joel Payne is a Democratic strategist, good friend of the program, uh, joining us today in studio. Hi, Joel. Good, good to, to be with you, good Bill. Good to see you. Talking yeah. a lot of politics here <coughs> this half hour. Yeah. So the New York Times this morning has a two-page spread, uh, page 14 and 15 in the A section. These are alphabetically all the people that Donald Trump has insulted on Twitter since he's been president. So, so in about a year. Just about a year, yeah. right. Now, Joel, one of the names on here, I looked under J. Um Jay-Z is not here. 
Okay, I, I, you said Jay. I thought you were going to say Joel Payne. I was getting, <laughs> I was getting nervous. <laughs> but because that's the latest uh, over the weekend, yes. right? What was that all about? Um, so look, this president has um, decided that it, it. Let me take a step back. It is. It is. I'm an African American man. I'm sure people who are looking on TV notice that. What? Yeah, I know, right? Look, I, I don't know. see color, Joel. I and, don't know. And here's the thing: it's hard not to feel like this president has a particular problem with powerful, wealthy African-Americans. And let's just go down the list. Jamel Hill, Jay-Z, Barack Obama, Colin Kaepernick. I mean, need I go? I mean, just it for whatever reason. Oh, I think oh, the, the, uh, the father of the baseball. Uh, LeVar, well, LeVar Ball, okay. LeVar we can all, we can all, he can, he can right. unify. LeVar Ball can unify us with Donald uh, Trump. Yeah, exactly. I, I would, I would. I would have to support the president on LeVar Ball. But the point is, there does seem to be something that this president does not feel comfortable with being challenged by strong yeah. African-American voices. And it's hard not to notice that. And okay. as much as you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, it's it's hard not to. Also, let's look at the, the Jay-Z comments for what they are. He's pushing back on black unemployment. It's wonderful that, that black unemployment is, un, is, is coming down. Should we also point out that black unemployment has been coming down for the better part of two or three years because of some of the Obama era, um, you know, economic reforms and and leadership? So, you know, I I just the president has a problem with strong black voices challenging him and giving him a hard time. He does. He also he has an overall problem with anybody challenging him on any issue. Right? He he does. He does. I but, will say, from the perspective of the African American community, it's it's hard to miss. Yes, right. <laughs> it's 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 particularly hard to miss that. Uh, yeah, even more so ever since his s hole a country's. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean Charlottesville, the 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 s hole controversy. I mean, yeah. You don't you you, you want to give someone the benefit of the doubt, and believe me. I don't believe the best place to start a discussion is to assume that somebody is is racially motivated or race based, but the evidence has mounted up over the course of this of of Donald Trump's presidency and even before that. I mean, let's and, go to let's go to his career in business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how did he start his career? He got sued by the Justice Department in the seventies. I think that was Richard Nixon's Justice Department yeah, that he was sued right. by mm-hmm. for housing discrimination. So. Yeah. The evidence is there. The evidence is there, right. And he continues to fan, fan those flames. You mentioned the economy. I know we're going to hear tomorrow night, as as we heard from uh, Donald Trump in Davos, uh, the American economy is booming, markets higher than it's ever been. And, um, I mean, I, I want your take on that because it seems to me, yeah, you, you, you have to admit, for, for certain Americans, anyhow, mm-hmm. not everybody, but the economy is booming, market is higher than it's ever been. But this is the ninth year of a economic recovery, eight of which happened under. Yeah. So, so right? Bill, and I, I don't have to remind you of this. Um, this feels I feel like I've seen this story before. Right. So a Democrat comes in. Um, right. Didn't this happen in the 90s? There was a Democratic president comes in strong economic growth, leaves office. The Republican wins under, let's just say, questionable um, you know, uh, yeah. circumstances temporarily juices the economy with and then, big talk sh- and and confidence and, you know, really kind of what we would call sugar rushes, right? Things that 
we know long term aren't sustainable for the economy, but short term will will make people feel mm-hmm. good. Go out and buy a home. Yeah. You know, reduce the economy. Crashes. Yeah. And I'm hopeful that we don't have that sugar high down as the as the as the final you know part of the Trump presidency. But we've seen this before. Um, look, the president certainly has not screwed anything up <laughs> so far. Yeah. Although, right. let's see what happens with this tax bill. So he deserves credit for being a warm body that businesses respond well to, that the business community feels confidence in. But we've seen this story before, and we know, by the way, this isn't even Trump's economy yet. I think probably starting Q4 last year is when you can start to call this Trump's economy. Yeah. Now, I was thinking about this when, I mean, it, there's so, the difference between the state of the economy when Barack Obama and Donald Trump took over is night and day. Yeah. I mean, we remember, like, let's talk about jobs. Um, we were hemorrhaging 800,000 800, jobs a month. a month when Barack Obama took over. When he left office eight years later, we had a string of, I think, at least 24 months of over 100,000 new jobs every every month, right? So just tur- turned it around. When Obama took over there, the market, the Dow was about 9,000. It had fallen, right? When he left, it was up to about 20,000. Right. Okay. Now, th- that's continued under Donald Trump. Job growth has continued under Donald Trump. But my point is, yeah, he was building on eight years of getting out of the hole of Barack Obama. And, and so it's a continuation. I think it's safe to say, as you say, at least for the first year, it's a continuation of the Obama economy. It's a continuation of the Obama economic policies. And look, it makes sense that Donald Trump, the one thing he might actually have some skill around is how to convince business leaders that the economy is good. You know how you do that? You you give them a big, fat tax cut. You give them a big, fat tax cut. (laughs) You deregulate the hell out of them. You make sure that they feel like um, they've got a – they've got – and it's it's okay for them to feel like they've got a friend in the White House. You want you want um, right. business leaders to feel like the public sector is bought into what they're doing. What you don't want to do is tip the scale so much that workers, that the working class, doesn't feel like they've got a seat at the table. That's right. And that's right. what that's what's yet to be seen with Trump. Of course. And if so, if you get below that one percent level, and and you look at the last eight or nine years or last year for for good, average, hard-working American families, it's not so good. And we've got to think I mean, about— basically, it's been stable, right? We've got, we've got to think about that. Even with African-American unemployment, wages still stagnant. Um, we know—you you brought up the point about the top 1% versus the rest of the country. Income inequality, the gap is growing. Um, I, you can't lay that all at the feet of Donald Trump. That's been going on for a while. But I think before we— it's gotten you know, worse. Call this the, gotten. The, you know, like Rick Perry used to call it the Texas miracle. You know, before we call this the Trump miracle, <laughs> let's let's all just take a step back and realize that um, really what he's doing is 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 short term, juicing the economy and making business leaders feel confidence, which has a value, but does not address all elements of the economy. All right. So what we heard this positive um, it, it, a message from Davos. In fact, Peter, we have a little clip of that where Donald Trump saying. Um, you know, I'm not here to attack all of you guys over here. I'm just here to invite you to America because this is the place to do business. America is the place to do business. So come to America where you can innovate, create, and build. 
I believe in America. Come to America, unless you're from one of those asshole countries. Um, we don't want you. But uh, but is this the message? Uh, we're in business, and we uh, and everything is booming. Is that what we're going to hear tomorrow night in the State of the Union? What do you see? Listen, we should. If if the if the president's goal here, and and again, I, I get our audience here. I, I get our perspective on this. The president is in the in the midst of what we call a little mini rally here over the last six weeks. If you look at his perspective and his base, the tax reform bill, um, frankly, got Chuck Schumer to blink on the shutdown. Um, the president's got a little bit of wind at his back. And the smart way to continue that would be to focus. And, and I wrote about this on Medium. I, I'd say focus on two things, shaking up Washington as an outsider and the economy. Because those are things that are always going to test through the roof with this president. Those are the things that even if you want to look past all of the other nonsense and clutter with this president, those are always going to do well. Those are things that people are innately going to feel about this president. So if I was his advisor, if I was Kellyanne Conway, Stephen Miller, God help me if I was Stephen Miller. But if I was any of these people, that's what I would be putting in that State of the Union speech. Economy, 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 shaking up Washington, um, you know, draining the swamp, et cetera, no matter how ridiculous uh, the idea of draining the swamp with a bunch of swamp creatures yeah. uh, might be. But that's, but that's what I would focus on in the State of the Union if I was the president. Right. Because you can't, you can't talk about a lot of other wins. <laughs> uh, uh, and, um, and for Trump, I'm sure the goal is to get him a speech on the teleprompter and to tell him, like he did in Davos, and he's done on a couple of other occasions, rare Stick to the teleprompter. And it may be boring, but at least you won't get in trouble. That's right? the hardest thing for him to do, man. That is the hardest thing. It's amazing to me, though, how low, how much the standard has lowered. <laughs> that, you know, I, I've, I've read articles, I've read think pieces, and I use those term, that term lightly, that gives the president credit for sticking on teleprompter and for sticking to his talking points. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that's really, I mean, I think I heard a, a commentary the other morning um, over this weekend talking about, you know, world leaders are just, they felt good that the president didn't say anything crazy. That's, I mean, that's the standard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's particularly yeah. frustrating for a lot of Americans who watched Barack Obama. I mean, they wanted to, to, you know, flog this guy for wearing a tan jacket to a press conference. And also, they gave him endless amounts of grief for using the teleprompter. For using the teleprompter. teleprompter. The criticism in the first four years was all about he's no good. He he has to have a teleprompter. Like, Look I at this it. guy. I he get can't. it. If Barack Obama isn't your isn't your flavor tea, right? Like I, I get that. Like he's maybe a little too urbane and a little too um, college professor. But the idea that you've had the same people that accused him of being lazy or 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 not accomplished or questioning. His his qualifications for this office. And you got this guy who spends literally four hours a day tweeting, doesn't get up out of his residence until 10 o'clock in the morning. 11. And, uh, 11. Yeah, let's maybe 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 today he'll get up before 10 because he's got the State of the Union tomorrow. <laughs> well, the Grammys were on last night. And the Grammys night, were on so last might, night. And so and he's got a tweet about Hillary probably. I don't know if that's come out yet, but I'm sure he, I'm sure he will be tweeting about her. But just the idea that that's how much we've lowered the standard, um, it really leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Because I watched Barack Obama get savaged by people and his wife and his family. And all they did was represent our country with with grace and dignity, even if you didn't agree with their politics. It's frustrating to watch how we have changed the rules for for Donald Trump. Yeah. 
No, uh, and I, I must personally, um, I w- found it hard last year, which was not technically a State of the Union, and will find it hard uh, this year to see at the podium President, President of the United States addressing the United States Congress, Donald Trump, backed up by Paul Ryan and Mike and Pence. Mike Pence. It, that's that oh is the, my God. That's the triple threat right there. I mean, that's the. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> How, how yeah you're right how low we have fallen right can I, can I also point something else on I don't bill forgive me if I'm taking us off script here but you know I, I I've also noticed too the, the whole idea of evangelicals and how they've responded to Trump and I don't I don't know oh, if you no, have an go, opinion go about this. Go, oh, oh, do I have an opinion about but, this but here's my thing. I can't express my opinion about this <laughs> Look, on the I air am, that's I how strong a, it I am is. I am a Christian the phony I'm a Franklin Graham I'm, I'm, a, I'm a proud <laughs> Christian I'm a Christian progressive okay. Um, come from a family of, of, of uh, a Christian family. It is, for me as, a, as, as someone who is a proud Christian, it has been alienating to me to watch these Christian leaders, people like Franklin Graham, okay, people like Jerry Falwell, Jerry Jr. Falwell Jr., um, make excuses for this guy. I mean, um, uh, Tony Perkins from the Family Research Council the other day talking about giving him a mulligan. Giving him a mulligan, right. On adultery. It's amazing mm-hmm. to yeah. me. And it is it is the whole idea of a religious leader having a role in politics. You know, I think I think Jim, uh, Billy Graham actually probably did the best job of this, of being a mentor, but not allowing himself to get pulled into the politics. And it'd be great if his son could do the same thing. It'd be great if his son could go back and look at what his dad did 35, 40 years ago but, yeah. and, 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 uh, and, and try to mimic what, what, what has happened in the past. Uh, compared to his son, uh, Billy Graham looks better, but I still think Billy I, Graham was in Richard Nixon's hip pocket uh, all the way through Watergate. He was defending Richard he was, Nixon. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, point yeah. isn't, the point isn't to defend Billy Graham. The point is just to say how, how yeah. far we've fallen R- right. and, and, how, right. and how much we, so, we can uh, appreciate that. Uh, uh, yeah. No, I talked about this the other day on MSNBC, I think it was, but um, I mean, why? It's, it's certainly true. That, that Franklin Graham and Jerry Falwell Jr., their brand of evangelism, jealousism, if that's yeah. the word, what, uh, is is just nothing but a, an arm of the Republican National Committee, right? And, I mean, and I'd almost wish they'd come out and be like, "Look, I'm a Republican first, a Christian second. Right. At, at, le- at least let that's, me know what jersey you're wearing." But don't use a good way of don't use no, because they pretend to be Christian first and Republican. They're don't not. use they my are. Lord and Savior to go and justify, you know, your partisan points about Donald Trump. You right. like the fact that Donald Trump won. So you like the fact that as a single we, issue, he's going to he's going to he's going to, you know, roll back Roe v. Roe v. Wade to the extent that he can. Just say that. Just put that out there and say that's what you care about. We we, we played uh, Franklin Graham last week when, when I forget where, but he was sent just saying about Stormy Daniels. He was asked about that. And he said, "No. Well, that happened a long time ago." <laughs> And 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 Donald Trump denied it, and so we have to give him. We have to believe him because he said it didn't happen. Uh, you know, this is nuts. Listen, right? if if every American in front of a judge and jury had someone as as kind uh, as as Franklin Graham is to Donald Trump, 
I mean, yeah. uh, we, we could all be so lucky. Yeah, here he is, Franklin Graham. <laughs> the difference is, is, is what uh, happened with Bill Clinton. He did this while he was in office, mm -hmm. and, and that's the difference. And what Kennedy did, uh, the affairs he had was while he was in office. Uh, the affairs that uh, Johnson had were while he was in office. Uh, these alleged affairs, uh, and they're alleged with uh, Trump, alleged. happened while oh. he's in office. This, this happened uh, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 years ago. Alleged, right? All they're alleged. alleged they're alleged by everybody except Trump, because Trump would probably tell you if you if you if you got him in a in a quiet room, not even a quiet room. He'd probably tell you he was doing. He he, he, he bragged would, about it in that on the Access Hollywood tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just amazing to me, and it 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 is again as somebody who I you know I I I wear my religion on my sleeve only to the extent that I have no shame about it, and I am comfortable with professing that but it bothers me that somebody that's why that's why as a country we struggle with that right we there's so much cynicism about religion about organized religion and religious leaders because you have stuff like that going on yeah why well, I, I mean I, I just wish more evangelicals or more Christians would stand up and say hey wait a minute you know don't, don't take us don't there, use right? my don't use my faith as a meat shield for Donald Trump right uh, Joel Payne with us, Democratic strategist here uh, with all the news of the day. Again, your comments are always welcome uh, at BP Show. So we also found out that um, Robert Mueller is in Donald Trump's crosshairs. He actually gave the order to fire him, an order which was never carried out because the White House counsel. By the way, it's sort of nice to know there's somebody at the White House with a conscience, somebody at the White House with half a brain, right? Donald McGahn said, no. This is not good. To, this is not the right thing to do. And it's going to be bad for you, Mr. President. Well, I'm not going to do it. I'll quit before I'll do it. And Donald Trump, surprise, surprise, backed off. Well, I, you so know, is Mueller I, I, safe? Well, yes, he's safe now. I, he, here, here's why I would say he's safe. Even if Trump tried to move on him, I think the line in the sand has been set where I think enough people would realize, hey, look, okay, that's it. Also, it really wouldn't make any sense for him to move on Mueller at this point because the investigation has been done. It's not like all that material wouldn't get out anyway. It's not. I mean, Mueller. I'm I'm sure that Robert Mueller, as a former ten-year director of the FBI, uh, understands how to build a case and will understand how to build a case even outside of the special counsel's office. Um, even if he did, even if if Trump tried to move on him. But I think what 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 kind of is illuminating here for me is, you know, Bob Mueller who is a lifelong Republican, who's being overseen by Rod Rosenstein, who is placed by Rod Rosenstein, who's a Trump appointee. Th this is not the the board of Planned Parenthood. This is not this is not the the you know the the California Socialist Party. The, yeah. the, the, these are this this is Donald Trump's Justice Department who's overseeing an investigation that's being led by a former Republican FBI director and a guy who did a couple tours of duty in Vietnam. And you would they would have you believe that there is a deep left wing, you know, cabal trying to take down Donald Trump. And it's just amazing to me that people have actually started to give this the type of lip service that really it doesn't deserve. I mean, even you look at Peter Strzok, right? We found out about that recently, but that happened a while ago. Mueller had those people removed. Lisa Page had them removed from the investigation. He's he's held this investigation up to the type of standard that you would expect. And it's again, it's just um, it's mind boggling to me that I think we've even allowed into the narrative, into the discourse, 
that it would even be remotely um, reasonable for right. Bob Mueller to to be let go or to be fired or what have you. No, I mean I th- I'm pretty sure I certainly don't remember that Bill Clinton never threatened to fire Ken Starr. I mean, right. Also, if if if, if your point here is, oh, yes. well, he's got all these Democrats who are helping to lead this investigation. Look back at the people who were leading the Starr investigation. Ken Starr, lifelong Republican. By the way, you guys were just talking about Alex Azar. You know, one of the places he started his career as one of Ken Starr's top deputies. Really? In, in the, yes. In the in the Whoa. he was one of his he was one of his top five deputies. Um, um, investigating Good. Bill Clinton back in the early 90s. I know this because I was fighting with Laura Ingraham about it on TV about a month ago. I mean, now yeah. I really dislike him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and again, if your point is, well, because you voted for the other party, you cannot have an impartial point of view or perspective on this, uh, you know, yeah. you, you voted for a Republican, so you can't possibly have an impartial right. point of view on Bill Clinton. You voted for a Democrat, so you can't possibly be impartial uh, uh, about Donald Trump. That's as bad as saying he's a Mex- he's of Mexican heritage, so he can't mm-hmm. he, he can't have a clear headed uh, judicial assessment of what's going on in this case. That's right, just that as bad. <laughs> yeah. And we we mentioned earlier, by the way, the, the, the next uh, little attempt to undermine Mueller will be uh, if it's released today, this secret memo that Devin Nunez, of all people, has written. I mean, consider the source and dismiss it right away <laughs> as being this nonsense, but they think this is going to bring down Robert Mueller, right? And, hashtag uh, release the memo. Hashtag release the memo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But now, so now the whole thing has sort of shifted to Congress. Uh, it was Lindsey Graham yesterday on um, um, Face, no, not. This uh, week. This week, ABC's rather. this week. Who said? Here's what would happen: that if, if, that he said, people in the White House have to know this would be the impact if he were if he were to fire Robert Mueller. I'm sure that there'll be an investigation around whether or not President Trump did try to fire Mr. Mueller. We know that he didn't fire Mr. Mueller. We know that if he tried to, it'd be the end of his presidency. End of his presidency. And Lindsey Graham says that there are other people, Kevin McCarthy in the House and, and Daryl Issa in the House, are saying, "Oh no, he hasn't fired him yet," and so. Let's not act. Let's just wait till he fires him, and then we'll act, right? Yeah. I mean, and Kevin Car- McCarthy actually watched that interview yesterday. Um, look, some people aren't ready for the major leagues, okay? <laughs> there's a reason why Kevin McCarthy got passed up as a speaker a couple years ago. Well, there's a couple reasons, but uh, that's one of them is that I, I don't I don't think he actually made the best case for, for, for Donald Trump on there. And listen, you know, it would be nice if— more Republicans view this as a national security issue with the president potentially either colluding with or obstructing justice regarding a foreign government interfering in our election. That's what it's about. It's not this really isn't no one's going to look. You can't roll back the results of the election. OK, the election is what it is. And I don't know if you could even argue that a you know Russian interference caused one person to vote this way or that way in terms of actually changing right. a voting machine. Hard to prove. But for that's, sure. that's hard to prove. But what we can do is make sure that with the midterm elections coming up or in 2020, that we don't allow this to infect our electoral process anymore. Because the Russians actually, Donald Trump has allowed the Russians to already win. You want to know why? Because all they wanted to do was create doubt and create a black cloud over our electoral process. And that's what they've done. And the president has been a willing and lead accomplice in doing that. Um, and that's something it would be nice if these Republicans who, by the way, law and order Republicans who for the last 20, 30, 40 
law and order and support our law enforcement and whatnot. You've got the president going on a Twitter tirade about Andy McCabe, who all he's done is spend the last 20 years fighting terrorists. Mm-hmm. That's li- that's all Ad- Andy McCabe has been doing for the last 20 years, and the president decided to go and, and destroy his career over a political beef. Right. Ridiculous. Uh, because his wife... Because his wife had the audacity to run as to a Democrat. To run as a Democrat in Virginia. Um, yeah. and, like, and, and the fact that we're even allowing that as a part of the public discourse is baffling. It's enough to keep you, enough to piss you off, isn't it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you upset, Bill? Yeah. Every day. Every day, more and more. Jo- uh, it's just uh, what I'm upset about changes from day to day. Joel Payne, great to see you, my friend. Thanks, Thanks so much Bill. for coming in. Matt Fuller covers the Congress for HuffPost. Uh, What about that shutdown, and is there another one heading our way? Find out from Matt Fuller. Thanks again to Joel Payne for coming in. Quick break, and we'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. And uh, off we go. Rounding up here, actually, today's program, Monday, January 29, the Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., and joining you all across this great land of ours uh, on uh, Free Speech TV, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, and out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT, brought to you today by the United Steelworkers and their international president, Leo Girard, the United Steelworkers, North America's largest industrial union, representing over 1.2 million and active retired members, and you can find out more about their good work at their website, usw.org. The Congress coming back in session today. The House was out last week. Matt Fuller on the job uh, covering Congress for U.S. Um, whoa, for uh, <laughs> HuffPost. Hello, Matt. Good to see you. Good to see you. So, um, gosh, where did we start so much? We, we <laughs> just escaped the shutdown, right? Well, it feels like a, a, a year ago now, but it, I was, know, it, was, it just, was a week ago. It was a week ago, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. And before we know it, we'll be in another shutdown, or will we? It's tough to say. I mean, the the one thing um, about this last one is that coming out of it, it seems to have sparked some bipartisan talks. There seems to be some sort of mood here towards getting at least something. And um, all along, I mean, I think McConnell sort of set this up where it wasn't a, it wasn't like they were going to get a DACA solution for February eighth. He was he, he even said on the floor. You know, we would need another CR to keep on going. Um, it seems like Democrats right now are sort of giving in on uh, cap numbers, the, basically the, the number that they can spend on defense and non-defense for a omnibus bill. So uh, if we see February 8th that there's a CR that has the cap numbers, basically laying out how much they can spend and appropriators can go spend toward that number while they're working on a DACA bill, that would all sort of fit in this narrative of, you know, we're getting there. Who knows? But uh, it's certainly a possibility. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't think many people saw this, the last shutdown coming, but it came. And uh, certainly if things start breaking down, if Democrats aren't seeing that Republicans are at the table or if there's a way forward on this, uh, certainly, you know, the White House's immigration principles were sort of dead on arrival. How badly were Chuck Schumer and Senate Democrats hurt you know, it's 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 tough. I mean, I, I I've sort of argued that this really wasn't the worst um, case scenario for them. I know I, you've written that in HuffPost. <laughs> um, the opposite of the column I'm that sure, I wrote. I'm sure you, uh, yeah, I'm sure you guys disagree there. But the the thing is that the shutdown was um, 
you know, I think it demonstrated for a few days, it demonstrated that they were serious about this issue, that they were willing to shut down the government over it. Um, I know that a lot of people would have problem with that framing, but... Yeah. Um, and they, they they went forward and said, okay, we, we need at least something here. We need at least... And, and they did get some assurances from McConnell, and, and frankly, um, continuing the shutdown was going to hurt their ability to negotiate with the bipartisan group of Republican senators. They they are negotiating. They are having these meetings. Um, and and there is... They've set themselves up for the next time where if there isn't this agreement, uh, they can certainly throw McConnell's words back in his face. And, and it suddenly doesn't seem like... You know, Democrats have any blame in this, I think. Um, if McConnell's unwilling to, if he's going back on his word, I think people would understand that situation. If Paul Ryan won't put up a bill that passes the Senate, I think that it's a very easy argument to say this is, you know, a Paul Ryan shutdown, that this is, you know, he won't give us a vote. He, and I think that seems unreasonable to a lot of people. And, and the other part of it was that staying in the shutdown uh, with the, the Dreamers was going to potentially hurt them. Uh, with public opinion, that was something that Democrats were, you know, acutely aware of. But you know, I, tr- I try to be fair and just look at. So, okay, so Democrats said, "All right, we'll go along with the CR." Um, but what in re- in response for what? What did they get? What they got was a mealy mouth promise from. It was M- mealy mouth, Mitch yep. McConnell. Yep, I agree there. Not even to put a DACA bill up before February 8th, but to put an immigration bill up sometime in the future and not even to support it, right? Yeah, it but he has... My a, intention, it's my intention to hold a vote on immigration, but they, which it, will be open and anybody can offer any amendments. They, they didn't have that They didn't have that commitment previous to this, though. And they, they also, they have seen su- subsequently that McConnell has said, basically, I still intend to do this. I still intend to have sort of a bipartisan bill here. And if, if again, if that isn't there, I think that if he does sort of go back on his word, that's on McConnell. I mean, that's a much easier argument for Democrats to make, whereas I think this last shutdown was a little bit more difficult if they can, if they continued on and people start asking, you know, well, what's why is this, why is the government shut down? If they say they, that, that on that Monday they vote against cloture again, I think it becomes very difficult for a lot of media organizations to explain, well, this is whose fault is this? Whatever it, it it basically becomes. Well, Democrats voted against ending debate. They are shutting down the government. They're continuing the shutdown, um, and I think we'd be in a much different place. I think everyone was would have sort of retreated to their partisan holes. And right now, I think there's at least some path forward. I mean, this is you know this all depends on what what you what do you eventually get? Right? All right. If they get but DACA. I do hear you saying that. Correct me if I'm wrong. That you do not anticipate. A vote on DACA before February eight. No, I, I, I think that. I mean, and I think this has been correct. Part of, I think correct. that's correct. But again, it would be another short-term CR. It would be right. So it so be continuing. There will be continuing conversations, negotiations. They won't have the bill ready yet, so they'll kick the can. Well, who, I mean, who knows? It's today's the twenty. Uh, yeah, but February February first is Thursday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A week from Thursday, they're going to have a bipartisan bill that they no. It seems it's right. It it, it seems no. difficult, and I think that it's. I think the plan right now is is a, another CR to keep it going until March five, probably the next one. No, right? I think it'd be shorter term than that again. Um, <laughs> Less God. than a month. Oh, that's no, right. shorter than that. God, what was I? How foolish of yeah. me to yeah, think they could go for a whole month. Yeah, come on, Bill. Yeah, right. 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 Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they've, they've they've talked about having two CRs, in fact, too. So this could be again 
we could be going CRC. So that will be six, seven, maybe. Well, I think we're on. We, we've we've got. Wasn't this with the, the fifth fourth, one? Wasn't I think, it? Or, uh, I think it was just the fourth. Okay. Well, yeah. we lost. Track, <laughs> but, but, yeah. A lot of them. I mean, this it, is a fiscal it, it, year that started in October. Yes. So th- this is a hell of a way to govern. Right. Um, and then we're talking about what Congress is. This is a negotiation. But that, then down the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, you've got Donald Trump who keeps saying, no wall, no DACA. Mm-hmm. And when he says no wall, he means $25 billion, right? No DACA. It's a whole thing or nothing. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny that we really haven't spent too much time, I think, uh, just collectively processing the fact that Schumer was talking about giving him a significant amount yeah. of wall yeah. money. I mean that was a ma- that was a major thing. concession. Right. <laughs> um, now off the table, according to Schumer. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the, I think in negotiations, those things come right back pretty quickly. I I do wonder how much was actually you know the difference between appropriating and authorizing. Um, mm-hmm. he, I think that Schumer's offer was actually to appropriate what was basically in the Graham Durbin bill, which is a much smaller amount, and then to mm-hmm. authorize, mm-hmm. which is in Congress speak, effectively, you know, worthless. Uh, I think the wall has already been authorized, but under existing law. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't think he ever offered him the full twenty five billion dollars. But it is it is odd to see Democrats just say, you know what? I mean, Luis Gutierrez had a had a whole line about how it, people are more important than bricks, and if you if that's the contingency, if that's the you know the thing, the price we have to pay, the ransom, then he's he's willing to pay it, which is ama- an amazing uh, development, I think. Oh no! I was I was sitting alongside of him on MSNBC when he made that statement, and yeah. uh, I mean to hear Chuck Schumer say that was mm. stunning to me. Then to hear of, of all people, Luis Gutierrez <laughs> saying he would go down there physically and with brick and mortar and help build the damn wall about what was necessary to get the uh, uh, to get the dreamers through. Yeah, that's uh, that's an amazing uh, change, I guess. Right. Uh, so this this whole thing will play out. Meanwhile. Um, there's some more talk. Uh, well, let's put the Me Too movement has not gone away, right? Um, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. No. <laughs> we we all all wondered when uh, with um, um, Blake Farenthold in Georgia, uh, Texas, Texas, rather, Texas, yep. uh, that he would not be the only one that uh, got in trouble. Um, and now the latest is uh, it's Patrick Meehan, right, from mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Yep. Uh, what's the status of? In well, he's case. he's saying he'll um, he'll stay and will not run for re-election, which is the same position as Blake Farenthold. And apparently, this is uh, an acceptable solution in some world. I but mean, particularly for him, it was a little awkward because he's chair of the committee or oversight committee, or no, or he's no not, what was his? He's not a chairman of, of anything. But uh, I think it's just awkward because I mean, he's, well, he's married and yeah. he's telling a staffer. That she's his soulmate. Yeah, he really went. I mean, yeah. it wasn't just a harassment thing, right? I mean, it was, but he went much farther than that. Well, he and that's <laughs> right. And then he settled and denied it, right? Right, oh, wow. right, yeah, yeah. But his he's like the John Cusack character holding up a stereo, <laughs> right, <laughs> like right, right. I mean, it's really just really super embarrassing for a guy to, you know, admit such strong feelings for this woman and. Also, like, you know, say he voted against the Obamacare repeal because of her. And it's like, it's just an amazing, uh, <laughs> amazing God. case study in Congress. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, and then uh, speaking of on, on, the, the, on the Me Too on the Republican side, uh, the 
finance chair of the Republican National Committee, resigned this weekend. It was uh, almost took a week after the word came out about Steve Wynn in Las Vegas uh, for the RNC to they, right away. Right, they said Al Franken's going to resign right now, right yeah. today. You know. Yeah. Um, they didn't say anything about Harvey Steve Weinstein. Wins, we need Harvey we need Weinstein. Them, we, they want get the money that money back. Yeah, they want right, the money yeah, back. Right. Yeah, get the give the money back and the whole thing. And here's Steve Wynn giving money all the time. And no, nobody bigger friend of Steve Wynn than uh, Donald Trump himself. Steve Wynn, would you stand up? He's raising so much money for our great Republican Party. Mm-hmm. He provides me with all kinds of girlfriends <laughs> when I go to Vegas. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, Steve went out as well, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they they didn't really. I mean, it's just an amazing moment where you know the uh, GOP chairwoman uh, just said, "I accept his resignation." There was no word of why. You know. Yeah. Right. Right. And there was no long statement here. It was just a, you know. Oh, yeah, sure. And then Fox News runs the, you know, we'll run cover for you with, well, you know, Steve Wynn is also donated to Democrats. You know? <laughs> it's, it's no, like, the Fox News thing of you know, Fox News has uncovered that Steve Wynn has given lots of money to Democrats as well. It's like, OK, I mean, he's the finance chair of the GOP. Right? It's hard right. to paint him as as like a friend of the Democrats, but also on the point of. Whether or not he should give a Republican should give some of this money back. Lindsey Graham was asked about this on this week uh, yesterday. If his, you know, the allegations have merit, then we should return the money like we ask of the Democrats. I'm yeah. not sure that they're going to do that. I just don't. I am not sure that they're going to do that. Yeah, I bet they won't. I bet they wouldn't. Right. And then there's the the matter of what counts as money he raised. Right. He held fundraisers. You know <laughs> that other people gave money right. yet, but um, and then. You know, there, there's a whole narrative of like um, Rand Paul uses this line a lot because he's always caught with some white supremacist giving him money. Basically, <laughs> uh, don't you hate when that happens? Right, right, right. But the idea is, is well, I'd rather have you know every dollar he has is, is one less dollar he has to spend oh, on his despicable yeah. you know, acts or whatever. And and I, I'm I'm curious to see how the GOP By plays the this. Maybe they do, but that was a defense that James Traficant used the first time he was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> indicted for uh, taking bribes yeah. uh, from um, Beam me up. <laughs> mafia and stuff in uh, in the Youngstown yeah, area. Yeah. He said, because, yeah, <laughs> the more money I get from them, the less money they have to commit crimes or to, to shake down to the people. No, that was his that defense sense, huh? in the courtroom. Yeah. And, and it's a false. And by the way, he got off. Right. <laughs> yes, it worked. It's a false choice, too, because you could always just give the money to charity or something right, as well. Right, like... <laughs> Oh, man, i got to say. So now um, the, the big issue is one of the big issues that Congress is dealing with, um, whether or not they're going to take any action to Give a little, provide a little protection for Robert Mueller. So maybe Donald Trump, if he has another, uh, um, um, tries to fire him again, mm-hmm. Mueller will have some legal protection. Uh, Lindsey Graham yesterday saying, uh, obviously this mo- this point of view is not shared by all Republicans, but this is what would happen were Trump to try to fire Mueller. I'm sure that there will be an investigation around whether or not President Trump did try to fire Mr. Mueller. We know that he didn't fire Mr. Mueller. We know that if he tried to, it would be the end of his presidency. So uh, are any other Republicans? Susan Collins has sort of agreed with uh, with uh, Lindsey Graham. There, there is, a, I think, one and maybe two bills in the Senate introduced weeks ago, if not months ago, to protect Robert and to provide some kind of a legal cocoon around him 
Do you think it's going to happen, or are most Republicans just going to say, no, Trump didn't fire him, so what's a, what, right. you know, why, th- why, why, why take action? Uh, I'll take B on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the, the, the one thing you could say is, and this has been this has been sort of a message from a lot of the Republican leadership. Um, certainly, I think Paul Ryan sort of indicated this that if he did actually fire Mueller, then uh, they, Congress could very quickly install him in the, some other capacity. They could basically continue the investigation through their own means. Um, obviously, there's a lot of difficulty. I think with Trump actually doing it, like actually firing Mueller, it's not just him. You know, he'd have to find somebody willing to do it. Right. Right. Which, it, yeah. It, if it goes to enough people, he could, I'm sure. Yeah, but, I, I, but it just seems like he he doesn't really understand, you know, what's involved in this. And it's just, to him, it's just, you know, fire him, you know. Yeah. And like, uh, that's just not how this is working. So, and I think that, uh, I don't know where this leak came from, obviously, but it, it seems like this could have been an indication to, to Trump from some of his staff that this is this would, you know, here's a taste of what the, coverage and the reaction would be if you actually did this mm. right when uh, it, it's it's also so weird to see Lindsey Graham who's had this such a, like a hot cold off non relationship with I know, Trump I know and right now it seems to be cold and off um, well, so Trump will invite him to play golf again and, and then, then it'll all get yeah. solved you know yeah uh, <laughs> yeah well so um, uh, it, 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 you have to feel sorry sort of for the Republicans sometimes or the Trumpers um, the Trump defenders Dealing with issues like this, um, nobody got caught. <laughs> Nobody's worse at it, I guess, than Sean Hannity. We, we got to play this again because it's just so delicious. So Friday night, Thursday night, Thursday. The, the news breaks Thursday from night. the New York Times. Yeah. Trump's on his way. The Davos and news breaks. New York Times. Uh, Yet another show that we had perfectly planned out that we yes, had to totally sh- scrap. And Sean the Hannity next day. just says, "Oh, this thing's," and we just got to <laughs> totally throw cold water on this because it can't be true at all. Here he is. Now, tonight, for example, they're trying to change the story. At this hour, the New York Times is trying to distract you. They have a story that Trump wanted Mueller fired sometime last June, and our sources, and I've checked in with many of them, they're not confirming that tonight. And the president's attorney dismissed the story and says, no, no comment, we're not going there. (laughs) And how many times has the New York Times and others gotten it wrong? Yeah. So here's the here's the journalist man. He's checked all of his sources. He can tell you this is fake news. It I've looked into happen. it, folks. I've looked into it. It didn't happen. And this is the New York Times added again. Okay. So they take to, they they go to a commercial break. Yeah. Oh, I'm very familiar with you this. Okay. They go to commercial <laughs> I think break. I was the first person to tweet this. Oh, is that right? Oh, nice. Okay. It's yes. so good. And so all right, all of our friends, if you haven't heard this before, they go to a commercial break. Sean Hannity comes out of the commercial break. Uh-oh, he learned something during the break that somebody <laughs> told him, you are fat-ass wrong. All right, so we have sources tonight just confirming to Ed Henry that, yeah, maybe Donald Trump wanted to fire yeah. the special counsel for yeah, of course. Does he not have the right to raise those questions? Come on, folks. You know, we'll deal with this tomorrow night. We have a shocking video of the day to bring you, by the way. This footage comes to us from Arizona where you see that red SUV, high-speed police chase, ultimately the suspect's vehicle. Oh my God! <laughs> oh, 
That's my cut, by the way. That was the the clip you played is the cut I made. Oh, look at that! Because that because that's Whoa. the because I know where it cut on the vehicle, which was a sort of timing. I got yeah. like forty thousand retweets on that little clip. Is that right? Oh, oh yeah. man! Oh, yeah. We'll give yeah. you well, credit where credits <laughs> do. I'm a, sorry we didn't know that earlier. No, no, no. I mean, it's but just an amazing. Like I passed it off as my own work earlier, Matt. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's right. A, it's like a forty six second little clip. It's perfect for, I it I yeah. I just, it just it sums up Sean Hannity and. Fox News and the whole Trump relationship just perfectly, right? I I I have no there's really no words for for no, no. you know it, it's it's so sudden that and it, I I don't think you often see just the stark contrast between you know he, you know again as you said Sean Hannity well, I'm the serious journalist we've checked in they're not confirming that what's right? the matter with you guys you guys don't like car chases <laughs> something wrong with you we'll address that tomorrow we got yeah. a car chase. <laughs> No, right. We, we got to get to this car chase. Uh, <laughs> so I know I, the president tried to fire whatever, whatever. There's a car chase. We want to show you this. <laughs> what? I, you know, did you check the next night? What did he deal with it the next night? I you, wonder. You know, <laughs> I didn't spend my Friday night watching Hannity. Oh, no, I, if, I, I, I think my assumption was if he was going to deal with it, it was going to be to provide more cover. It wasn't. You know, Sean Hannity has made his bed. He is lying in it. Um, he has just decided that, you know, this is Trump is his guy and how whatever Trump needs, what however he can help him, he's going to do that. So if if, you know, it, it took him maybe another 24 hours to come up with an adequate defense, which was essentially I'm, I'm guessing again, I don't know. But is that not his right? Right. We, we heard a yeah. preview. Yeah. Of, yeah, of you the heard defense. him start to go into that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. He's got a right to fire anybody he wants. So. Right. And meanwhile, you know, release the memo. Right? I mean, that's the yeah. other, yeah. you know, look at this shiny ball in my hand over here. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I just I think that it's pretty clear that Hannity is not serious about anything holding Trump accountable here. He, he Again, he he's there for an hour to, you know, provide cover and. um he does that in the form of attack Hillary or release the memo or whatever, or or let me explain this Trump thing. But most of it, I think, is let's just attack the Democrats because, you know, let's get fired up about that because it's much easier to attack them than it is to de- defend this. Right. All right. Tomorrow night, you'll be there. Um, be there. Assembled for, with, uh, the, uh, the, for the president's first official State of the Union. Um, are Democrats going to show up? I, it seems like it. Um, I mean, I think that that's generally the smarter play because then the chamber isn't just filled with republicans who are clapping and everything mm-hmm. um ruth bader ginsburg has said that justice that she's not going to attend well that might be a function of it's past her bedtime a little bit she does fall asleep during these she got drunk at one of them she she said oh, really? she, she fell asleep because <laughs> she'd had a couple glasses of wine before well, the, one I, of the Obama state. One of the th- I've been to an, a number of these State of the Unions now, and one of the things I always watch is Ruth Bader Ginsburg falling asleep and getting nudges and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I think that she can probably safely stay home. Right. Uh, and what do we expect from the from Donald Trump? I, I, my my take is we'll hear the same speech he gave at Davos. Yeah, I think that that plus infrastructure and um oh yeah we'll you know, talk infrastructure we and, and again and build the wall then. right yeah yeah Throw infrastructure in. week was so successful yeah mm-hmm. we'll we, get into that <laughs> it's it's been going really well uh this whole infrastructure year mm-hmm. so <laughs> right yeah we've been killing it there that trillion dollars all those jobs created. oh i know yes. i mean the, the fact that there's they're banning about a 1.7 trillion dollar 
build and you know where republicans but, going but, apoplectic about the cost of this uh, who, uh, know, who knows what there it must really be a be. lot of consternation at the white house what do you think i mean on can they keep donald trump contained right just to read from the teleprompter for that i think he 30 I think minutes he, or whatever they can and he will and he'll be praised as a genius for being able to read a teleprompter speech which, which was what the reaction was last time i mean these yeah. big speeches we you know i've I remember seeing it at the GOP convention. I remember seeing him at the last pseudo State of the Union, uh, whatever we want to call that. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's in these big speeches like that. He does seem to stick to the teleprompter. It's there for him. He will add in a, you know, it, it's actually very good. You know, he'll throw in a, one of those like to right, punctuate yeah. his points or whatever. But that's par for the course for him. And 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 as, as long as he does that. You know, people will tout him as, I think it was a very presidential moment for him. He's coming into his own. And, can, yeah, what you're saying is tomorrow night will be the night that Donald Trump becomes president. <laughs> right, right. As, as, as is every Again. day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the pivot. The pivot, the pivot been, is coming, yeah. The pivot we've been waiting for is coming tomorrow night. Is that well, it? we wrote Chris Saliza's column for him, so. I <laughs> actually, you know, I actually do think that the people are going to, they're going to scale back from that a little bit. There's been such a backlash that it'd be s- stupid to continue with that kind of. So. Yeah, but I, I, if I hear the word reset one more time, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to throw up. Right, you finish your on. beer if you hear reset. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. We'll uh, thank you for the Sean Hannity moment. Oh, yes. All right. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. Uh, Matt Fuller at HuffPost.com. Have a great day, folks. We'll be this looking for you tomorrow. Come on back. Press show.